chapter 15. Exodus 15. I'm going to read very quickly our text, which is Exodus 15, 22 to 27. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that he let thee. And they came to Elim, where there were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Now we've been looking at this for some time. Now I know we've had a slight break, but today we continue with Sweetened Waters, part 6, and today we are going to look at The People Murmured. Everybody said the people murmured. Yes, we're going to look at the people murmured today. Now, because of the break we've had, let me just do a quick recapitulation of what we've been talking about. This is a story about the children of Israel. God had just taken them out of Egypt. And at the Red Sea, God, in a miraculous way, parted the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh and his armies. The children of Israel danced all day and praised God for that wonderful deliverance. And then they took their journey towards the promised land because God was taking them to the promised land. But after three days of not finding water, they finally found water at a place called Mara. Of course, you can imagine, thirst was seriously upon them, so they did not hesitate to drink from the waters of Mara. But to their amazement, they found out that the waters were unsuitable for consumption. That's why the place was called Mara. For Mara in Hebrew means bitter. So they came to a place full of expectation, but found out that all they saw and tasted were bitter waters. The people murmured. Two things happened at the bitter waters of Marah. All the children of Israel murmured. Moses prayed. Then God showed Moses a tree that had been there all along. And he asked Moses to put, break a branch and put the branch in the water. And the waters were healed and they became sweetened waters. That's why we're talking about sweetened waters. And then we've looked at this whole story from various points of view. We've looked at the fact that thirst is God's litmus thirst for each person that is here. If you say you're a Christian, then really and truly, God has a test for you. His litmus test for you is how much do you thirst after God? That's what we see in the lives of the children of Israel when they arrived at Marah. And the truth of the matter is not much. And when you understand what thirst really is, when you are thirsty, really thirsty, you will drink water. And you will drink water very, very seriously. And so God is saying, if you're really thirsty for me, I will know. We then looked at the fact that there were different types of bitter waters, that these bitter waters that we find the children of Israel at, 
actually represents various situations in life. We talked about disappointment, we talked about sickness, and so on and so forth. Then we decided to look at a classification of bitter waters. And we found out that there were generally bitter waters can be put up in three categories. One, bitter waters caused by you yourself. Two, bitter waters caused by the enemy, that's Satan. Three, bitter waters caused by God himself. And we explained that when bitter waters are brought about by you, when you arrive at bitter waters because of your own doing, then that which you need to do to solve that problem is one to confess your sin, to repent, just like the prodigal son did, and there will be a restoration. We explain that when bitter waters are caused by the enemy, then what you need to do is to take your case to God and generally make a report of that situation to God. And we explained that there, were, there was a process. You don't just say, God, see. You first call him by his names. You tell him the things that he has done. And then you bring that particular situation before him. Finally, we said when bitter waters come about as a result of God's own action. The only thing to do, <coughs> the only thing to do is to just know that God will not put you through a situation that will destroy you. Therefore, when you come to bitter waters that have brought, been brought about by God, we say the only thing to do is to ask God for grace to go through that situation. Because usually when that happens, you are a candidate for promotion. And you know in real life, nobody gets promoted without going through an examination. That, in a nutshell, is what we've looked at thus far. Of course, the last thing we did of Bitter Waters was what I call the prayer meeting. That's something else completely. But today we want to look at the people murmured. And I can tell you something that's quite interesting. First is... Let's define murmur. What is it to murmur? I actually did check this up on my computer. And it says, to murmur is to say something very quietly or indistinctly. It is usually a complaint. Especially one that is not made openly. To murmur is to say something extremely quietly so that nobody can hear, not even you yourself. But you know what you want to say. And you say it in a very indistinct manner so that everybody is confused. Usually, when people murmur, it's a complaint. And it is never really made openly. You can find that that is something we find a lot of in church. People know how to murmur in church. The children of Israel were experts at murmuring, and they represent the church. To murmur is, is to grumble. Therefore, to murmur is, is, is generally to show some kind of dissatisfaction with a situation without saying anything. The interesting thing about that is this. Murmuring is therefore neither here nor there. It is neither hot nor cold. It is not silence, neither is it noise. And God, the God that we serve, hates murmuring with a passion. That's why when he decided that the children of Israel will not go into the promised land, he told them, said, you guys have murmured ten times, and that's more than enough. 
He says, therefore, you will walk around in circles for 40 years and you will all die here. Why doesn't God like murmuring? It's just because of that situation that you find about murmuring. It's neither here nor there. So if we are to classify murmur, we'll call it something that is fairly lukewarm. It's not hot, it's not cold. It's something said very quietly so that it's almost not audible and very indistinct. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. The Bible says, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The God that we serve would prefer that we are quiet on the one hand or very robust in our noise on the other hand. I'll give you an example. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 20. It says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. There is a time when God demands that we should be quiet in his presence. Psalm 46 verse 10, the Bible says, Be still, be quiet, and know that I am God. But then there is a place where God loves robust praise. And we are all very familiar with Psalm 47 verse 1 in this church. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So God would rather have you quiet from time to time and very, very boisterous and noisy some other times. But he doesn't want you to be in between. Because really, when people are in between, there are people who sit on the fence. God does not like people who sit on the fence. Shall we rise to our feet? Just rise to your feet today. Since we are few, God will know that we are here today. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Clap unto the Lord of Lords, unto the King of Kings. Clap unto the Almighty. Clap unto Jesus. Clap, 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 clap. Clap with all the strength that you have in your hands. Clap unto the Lord. Now lift up your voices and shout unto the God with the voice of triumph. Ah! Shall we stand? Okay, now let us just be still in his presence because God is really here. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. That man that coughed, you should have held that cough. It's not allowed. You're not allowed to cough when we say be still and be quiet in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 95 verse 1 says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. So God wants either noise or silence. He does not want murmuring at all. A good example is the children of Israel at the walls of Jericho. In Joshua chapter 6 verse 10, the Bible says, And Joshua has commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout, then ye shall shout. And so they marched around the walls of Jericho quietly, quietly, for six days. And on the seventh day, they did the same thing. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass on the seventh time, on that seventh day, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the people shouted. So God, I want you to understand this very well. God does not like Murmuring. And some of the things that happen when people murmur 
Usually, you find people who gossip. They are murmurers. You see, nobody gets out and goes out and starts to shout. You know, I saw Sister A and Sister and Brother B. They were sleeping together in, this, in a room. You never say it boldly and at the top of your voice. You say it yesterday. I saw so and so. Guess what they were doing? It's a lie. True. You really saw them? Yes. I, I didn't tell you. If you mention my name, I'll deny it. You can see why God doesn't like murmuring. If you saw them, say so. Just come and tell the pastor, I saw them. But when you say, ah, then you add, if you mention my name, I'll deny it. And you're a Christian, you have a problem with God. Now, the relevance of all of this to you and I is simply the fact that God does not want half measures. God is not interested in half measures. In every aspect of our relationship with him, he does not want half measures. When you give God an offering, God doesn't want half measures. I'll give you an example. The other day, Friday, when we had a night vigil, I had cash on me. And um, I counted the cash. What about a thousand naira? I can't remember when last I gave a thousand naira for an offering. So I said, no, this is not right. So I put the money back. I said, do what you tell people to do. Fine. I said, okay, that's true. And so I wrote a check. The reason why I tell us to use checks is that you can't write a check of 200 naira now. Neither can you write a check of 500 naira. Something must be wrong with you. Because if you do, we'll call you. When you give God an offering, he doesn't want half measures. God doesn't want half measures when you pray. He doesn't. Neither does he want half measures when you praise him. I'm going to do a little study later on for us all in this church. Because many, many people don't understand that even in praise, God actually prescribes body motions. One body position that God does not accept in praise is sitting down. You will never find it in the Bible. I'll do it. I have all of that stuff. I know what it is. So when people say they are praising God, that they are sitting down, it's really out of ignorance. That's what they call half measures. And to know how serious God is, the people to whom he revealed everything about himself, the Jews, the Jews don't have worship songs as we have today in the world. You know, we have all kinds of worship songs. In fact, we can take a praise song, we can make it worship. When you take praise and make it worship, what you do is you step it down. Step down the temple. What a mighty God we serve. Now, for us, when, we say, when you turn it to worship, we say, What a mighty God we serve. Now, the Jews, the music for worship always increases in tempo until it gets to a frenzy. Always. So I want us to understand some things about God today. Whenever we are doing anything, sometimes I walk around like I will walk around on Sunday. You see some people sitting down. Some, I, I just can't understand that stuff. But please know that God himself doesn't like it. He doesn't like half measures. Second Kings 13, let's read together. Second Kings 13, I'll read quickly from verse 14. It says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, wept over his face, and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. 
Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Afek. All thou have. Till thou have consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth, was angry with him. And said, thou shouldest have smitten five, six times. Then hadest thou smitten Syria, till thou hadest consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. The Bible is so interesting. Joash, had he struck the ground, say twelve times, the nation called Syria today on the face of the earth would not exist. The reason why Syria is existing today is what's here in the Bible. And this will always happen to Christians who are lukewarm Christians. It will always happen to Christians who are half-measure Christians. It will always happen to Christians who say, let us not take this thing too seriously. This thing called Christianity is a matter of life and death. It should be taken very seriously. I've just come back from Kuwait. And one of the things I said to the general here was that it's only in Christendom, only in Christendom, only Christians, that there's a problem with how to dress decently. Only Christians. In Kuwait, you, you, <laughs> there, were, there are three types of, only three types. In fact, it's very interesting. Kuwaiti men wear only white. Just this white gown. Nigerians who live in Kuwait use it for night gown. So somebody gave me two, he said, for sleeping with. Very lovely material. One day I wear them to church. The women only wear black. And then there are some of the women who cover their face from here down and their head from here. So all you see are just two little eyes blinking. Everything else totally covered. We thought that was even, I, we asked and found out that it's not because they are um, Muslims, that that's a certain group. It's cultural. That's the way they dress. And as I told you on Sunday, when we went to the house of a very prominent lady there, she had worn her trouser suit to receive us. But before we got there, her cousin, who is a Muslim man of God, had come to her house. She quickly went and put on her black gown over the trouser suit. And she told us very nicely, said, when a man of God comes to your house, this is how to dress to show respect. But Christians, particularly Nigerian Christians, they can wear hot pants, they can wear hot shorts, they can wear low neckline dress, they, they can wear anything. Anything. Only Christians. If you see Hare Krishna, you know that this is Hare Krishna. If you see Indians, you know these are Indians. The only people in the world who are neither here nor there are Christians. And God doesn't want us to be like that. Because when you are like that, there are many things in life that you will miss. What you see in this story is here is a king who is afraid that the man that had direct links with God, that had saved them many times from the enemy, was about to leave. And then man now said, okay, let's do some prophetic things. You take an arrow, open that window, and shoot. Before he did so, the man of God put his hands on, him, on his own, on the king's hands, and said, okay, go ahead and shoot. That's a prophetic action. And he says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. He says, now you will destroy Syria when you meet them. He says, now take, that same, take another arrow, begin to smite the ground. The man hit one, two, three, and said, it's enough, Ujari. Am I the one that um, brought problem to this world? And then the man of God said, you should have continued striking. That way, the nation called Syria will never exist again. Then they'll never give you any more problems. Let me give you an example. We're going to do a number of things here today. And I'm telling you, take everything we're going to do very seriously. Now, 
The real truth is this. 90% of the people who need to do what we are going to do today, because they are half-measure Christians, have looked at the weather, have looked at the traffic jam, ah, and have said, oh, uh, to my Sunday is hallelujah. Let me go and get ready for hallelujah. This rain and this Victoria land goes through is too bad. And guess what? That problem might not be sorted out again for another 10 years. And that's the way it works. That is the way it works because God is God. Now what I want us to do immediately today is this. Listen carefully to me because I don't want anybody to do this wrong. We are going to do this same prophetic action that Elisha asked the king to do. Now you are going to think as you are sitting here, what are the things in your life that you don't ever want to see again? Joash never wanted Syria to exist again. He got the opportunity of obliterating Syria, but he missed it. So as I'm talking, I want you to think of the things you do not ever want to see in your life again. Things like sickness, things like poverty, things like disappointment, various bitter water situations, barrenness, ETC, ETC, ETC. Do you understand me? City of David, do you understand me? Good. So you kneel on this very lovely granite floor. You will use your right hand if I say use your right hand, don't use your left. No, that's the thing about people. You say use right, some people will use left. You say use right, some people will use both. Always happens. You will use, use what? Your right hand. And you will smite the ground. You understand me? But listen to what I want you to say. Think of those things that you do not want to see in your life again. And then call them and say to them, go, go, go. Be destroyed, be destroyed, be destroyed. Go, go, go. You have no place in me. You have no power over me. Go, go, go. As you do what? As you smite the ground. Do you understand what I've just said? I hope so. Let me, shall I repeat myself? Ah, some people actually said, I thought everybody said they understood what I just said. What are the things you do not want to see in your life? I know some people are going to be calling people's names. Do not call anybody's names. Don't call your mother-in-law's name. Don't call the person in the office who's giving you a hard time. Don't call his name. Okay? Things. I didn't say who are the people you don't want to see in your life. I said what are the things you don't want to... If you, somebody's making you afraid today, so you don't want fear. So you say fear. Go, go, go. Be destroyed. Do you understand what I'm saying? As you do what? As you strike the ground. With what? with your right hand only, not with both hands. I know that some of you hate the thing with so much passion. You like to use your two hands and your head, if you can. Don't worry, God is God. One hand is enough. Your right hand. Can you lift your right hand so I can see your right hand? If you're a lefty, your right hand is still your right hand. So shall we just get under the floor and just strike the floor now, this time I'll help you until I say stop, don't stop. Just call those things and tell them to go, to go, to go, to go, to be destroyed, to be destroyed. They have nothing to do with you, they have no power over you. They have nothing to do with you, they have no power over you. Tell them to go, to go, to go, to go, to go.
house into a land that I will show thee and I'll make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing I'll bless them that bless thee and curse them curse him that cursed thee and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran and Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that were gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. God promised to bless Abraham based on three conditions. One, get out of thy country. Two, leave your family entirely. Four, leave your father's house. But we see in this story that Abraham's obedience wasn't complete, he took Lot with him. So he had contravened one of the conditions that God had given him. And what happens? He arrives in Canaan and he comes face to face with what? With famine. Genesis 12, 10, and it says, And there was a famine in the land. And what happened to Abraham? He went, the Bible is a very interesting book, down into Egypt. And when he got into Egypt, his wife, his precious wife, became a problem. Why? Because his obedience was not complete. And there are many Christians in that kind of situation. Abraham would have said, I've done everything God told me to do. But he, he had one item with him that God didn't want, and that item or human being, the Bible calls Lot. Now, whenever that happens, listen carefully. God is a very 
interesting God. What happens is he freezes at that time the blessings. For as long as Lot was with Abraham, nothing happened. The moment Lot leaves. Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. I'm going to stop here today. We'll conclude next week because I need us to do a number of things. Abraham's obedience was not complete, so he was what you would call a half-measure Christian, even though it was God who spoke to him directly. And there are many of us who are sitting here, and there are many of us who come to church on Sundays, who are busy doing things that we know God does not want us to do. So we've entered into that place of being a half-measure Christian. We're not really Christians. And what that does is everything that God has planned for you is suspended until you get your act right. Everything just stays in abeyance. And then you are still praying with us. You are still doing hallelujah. The blessings have been released, but God then says freeze and it's frozen. The moment the Lord departs, God now says to Abraham, good. Now let's start all over again. As far as you can see, it's yours. So God doesn't like that place of sitting on the fence, that place of murmuring. And you and I as ourselves, as human beings, we won't like people to deal with us from that half measure point of, from that half measure position. Now, what I want to do this evening is simply this. There are blessings that have been suspended. It's not your mother-in-law that took it. Neither is it the village witch that nobody can touch what God has ordained for you. The only person who can destroy it yourself. All because we are in the place of what? Of half measure. Are, you see, when we, when, when God, what God wants from you and I, for example, just in case somebody says to himself, I don't understand what the pastor is talking about. God wants, he says from you, be holy for I am holy. Now for as long as I do things, some are right, some are not right, I know then I have a problem with God. I can pay my tithes. I can always contribute things in church. But I'm doing other things that do not qualify as holiness. Then God freezes your blessing. Just stays in abeyance. And then there are some of us here who have promised God certain things. If you do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Lord, help me. And you've just found it easier to forget. Not because it's difficult, you just, just couldn't care less. And that's because many people don't know that the person they are dealing with is God. Today, all blessings that are suspended are going to be released. But that depends on you, not me, not God, just you. So, the first thing I want us to tell God today is particularly those of us who are in the place of half obedience. Those of us who are doing things we know God will not be pleased with. That's why I said in this church, if you know that you are making money in a dubious way, please keep your money and spend it. We don't want that money here as offering or tithes at all. If you bring it here, you get into trouble. Can I show you about that? Because I know what to do. We don't want because God doesn't want it, so we can't use it. So let's just quietly, quickly, bow our heads and talk to God even now.
particularly those of us who know for a certainty that there are some things, issues between myself and God. Tell God today that you are going to sort those issues out. And your blessings that are suspended will be released. There's somebody here. God has been talking to you about the fact that you should become a more committed Christian. Become properly born again. Not just show up in church and then show out of church. So today you can tell him, okay, Lord, today, this life of mine, I hand it over unto you. I want to commit my life completely unto you. If you are here and you want to pray that prayer, just put up your hand wherever you are so the ushers can put a card in your hand where you tell the Lord that, yes, this life, you hand it over unto him. That today you've made up your mind to become born again because you want to make sure that all that God has provided for you, you will receive them. Just put up your hand wherever you are as you pray and the ushers will put a card in your hand. Somebody hold that girl. God bless you. God bless you. There's a hand there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just put up your hand. When you get the card, put down your hand and they just tell Jesus, say, Lord, forgive me my sins. I accept you as my Lord. You can put down your hand now when, you get the, when you've got the card. Anybody else? Just put up your hand and they'll put a card in your hand. Now speak to the Lord once you have a card. Just tell him to wash away all your sins with his blood. And give you a new beginning. Because the word of God says that when a man is in Christ, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The rest of us who know that there are some issues we have to sort out with God. Let's go ahead and sort those issues with God. Now. Because we want all suspended blessings to be released. so shall it be in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name we are going to ask God each person here today you are going to ask God to release all your suspended blessings Obadiah don't worry to turn there because I know you will never find it Obadiah chapter 1 verse 17 or just simply Obadiah 17 the Bible says, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Isn't it strange to possess your possession? It's your possession because it's, in your, it's yours. You must possess it before it becomes your possession. But then, when your possession is suspended, then you have to tell God that since you have said today to him that you turn around and become 100% obedient, then you can ask him to release your blessings, that is to possess your possessions. Let me read it again, Obadiah 17. It says, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Let's rise to our feet and just ask the Lord today that it's time for you to possess your possessions. That all your suspended blessings, that you should release them because you have decided that from this point on, no more half measures. And all the things that you have promised him that you will do, that as you leave here today, you are going to do them. That he should therefore release your blessings so that you can possess your possessions. So that you can possess your possessions. Let's all just pray. And so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. Genesis 13. You can turn there. 
because I want you to do this properly. I'll explain it. Verses 14 and 15. Let's read together. Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15. Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15. Are we all there? Let's read together. One, two, go. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lord was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. All the land that you see. What God is saying to Abraham is that, now that you've made up your mind, no more half measures. Everything you can see, you can have. So, what I want us to tell God today, because we've told him that we are no longer dealing with half measures. We are not going to be lukewarm Christians. We are not going to be murmuring Christians. Then, tell the Lord today, I see myself marrying this year. Do you understand? This is all that you can see concerning yourself, all that you want. Just tell him today. Tell him that you see yourself with five children in a beautiful house. Tell him that you see yourself building an international, multinational business. Tell him that you see yourself driving your own new car. Tell him the color of that car. Tell him that you see yourself in your own home. Tell him that you see yourself healthy and well. Tell him that you see yourself on your wedding day. Describe the wedding dress. Describe the children. Tell him that what you see today. He said, because all that you can see all that you can see, you can have. Everything you can see, you can have. You want to study abroad? Tell him that you can see the school. You can see the scholarship. Tell him. He says, all that you can see, you can have. All you can see, you can have. I'm going to stop talking here because I want to tell God what I can see myself. And so shall it be. And so shall it be. All I just want to say today. All those who are believing God for a life partner. You see, Boaz will find Ruth. And Ruth will be found by Boaz. They will not only marry, but they will have conception in the first year of marriage. And they will give birth safely. All those who are believing God for the fruit of the womb. I say you will conceive this year. You will conceive this year. You will conceive this year. Amen. And you will bring forth like the Hebrew women. Amen. So it is and shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. City of David, praise the Lord. Amen. Now let us quickly prepare our offering. Let us wave our offering unto the Lord. Father, I see we have come to worship. No more half measures, Lord. In giving unto you, no more half measures. We bless you, we exalt you, we honor you. A thousand times more give unto each and every one of us. Because we are giving today, Lord, we say we shall not die, but live and declare your works. We say we shall not die, but live and declare your works. We say because we are giving today, Lord, we say we shall not die, but live and declare your works. Because we are giving today, Lord, make us head and not tail. Above only, never beneath. Make us first and not last. Lord, because we are giving to the make us lenders unto nations. Let us not be borrowers, Lord. Honor, glory, and dominion we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's rest up it and just give joyfully.
announcements. 